0: Would you turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 14. Uh, I I do know most of these songs, uh, especially that the men sang tonight, I I have long loved them. Uh, I can can remember times when some of those songs were sung, we'd all be on our feet. Uh, I have run in church. Um, only one time, uh, a friend of mine asked me to go with him, and and uh, I didn't have time to think about it, and, and so I did. I, I took off, and I, I tell folks, I'd run in church now if somebody would meet me with oxygen. <laughs> but but uh, they so move me and so excite me, and, and it's the reality of what is being said, you know talk about our Lord, and talk about heaven, and, and we're headed home. We're on our way to the house, and uh, one of these glad days, all that we've spent these years talking about will be reality, and uh, we'll be home, and then maybe the Lord will let us sit around and talk about these days. It's, a, it's pretty amazing as you grow older, you remember the better yeah all of us face hardships and difficulties don't we but as you as you grow older it seems those things that occupied your mind when you was younger that were trials and troubles and difficulties they just seem to fade and then those blessed times i tell folks all the time one of these days you're going to be at the age that all you have left are memories make sure you have some good ones and the way to have those good ones is to develop them now with family and friends, or with church people. Uh, go out of your way to experience good and wonderful. And then one of these days you can sit around and talk about those things. Uh, my dad has been gone since uh, January of 1990. I have so many wonderful memories of my dad. Now I know most of the time I talk about him beating the devil out of me. But even then I left him. And I love his memory, my mom. Uh, never, we thought dad would live on and on, and, and mom was unhealthy. We thought she would not, and she outlived him by 22 years. But I have wonderful memories of my mom and dad. And, and uh, I go especially to our kids' homes, and they have pictures of, of their grandmother and grandfather. And just, uh, memories just just flood my mind. Make good memories among your friends and family and and your church. And one of these days, you can muse over them and enjoy them, you see. Um, <clears throat> I appreciate the, the pastor inviting me to be back with you again this year. I think we scheduled this maybe three years ago. And uh, it looked like it was a lifetime away. And then I blinked my eyes and, whoa, we're here. But... Uh, I tell fellows now, I'll schedule as far out as you want to schedule, but I'm not promising I'm gonna make it. <laughs> Amen. I was talking with a preacher friend of mine, and I said, you know, coming up as a young preacher, when the Lord called me into the ministry, I intentionally read after and hung around older preachers. I I wanted to be with the guys that had done it. And uh, But I told my friend the other day, I said, those older preachers are getting harder and harder to find. I have more over on the other side, and I do this side. And the Lord has been a great blessing through his preachers in, in our lives, and I thank God for it. Are you with me in Luke chapter 14? <clears throat> now, as we get started tonight, I don't want you to forget uh, what we talked about this morning. Uh, If I was uh, in some place, uh, well, most countries in Asia, uh, I would have preached what I preached this morning and what I'm preaching tonight. Uh, I was telling someone, you know Timothy Mang, you you support uh, Timothy, I believe. Uh, I was in a meeting uh, with Timothy, and we went up in the northern part of the country. And uh, I said, Timothy, how, how many times do you want me to preach each day? And he said, three times. I want you to preach at 8 o'clock in the morning, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and at 6 o'clock in the evening. And I said, how long do you want me to preach each time? And he said, one hour and a half to one hour and 45 minutes. But don't rush. Honest before the Lord. And I'm telling you, when you preach through an interpreter, an hour and 45 minutes is a long time because you can't use the fluff they won't understand it. Most of your illustrations are mute because uh, you could tell them, but they, they wouldn't grasp them. They wouldn't understand them. Uh, and so it's pretty much stay straight with the Bible. Go forward. And uh, you can teach a lot of Bible an hour and 45 minutes, especially three times a day. Uh, but remember this morning, we talked about salvation. Uh, for by grace are you saved through faith in that not of yourselves. Then he he finishes that thought out in the 10th verse. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. I have many concerns about these days. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly not depressed. I'm not down in the mouth. I believe these are the greatest days to be alive in the New Testament church Uh, because I believe the opportunities before us are innumerable. And and I know we live in a society that does not readily accept the gospel as as other generations perhaps have been at least willing to listen to it, whether they would accept it or not. Uh, We're living in a different time, but the harvest is greater than ever before. The opportunities of sharing the gospel are greater than ever before. The day is so dark that we're living in that a dim light would look bright. You really don't have to be an outstanding Christian uh, to bring attention to the Lord in these days because a very dull and dim light uh, shines brightly because it is so desperately dark in the world. And so there are many things that trouble me, but probably at the top of the list, at least in in these days, is the fact that we have so many believers that are satisfied with just being that. There's more to be done. There are still Sunday school classes to be taught. There's nurseries to be kept. There are buses to be run. Uh, There's gospel tracts to be delivered. There's invitations to church that should be given out uh, verbally and and with printed page. We have a task before us. The Lord looked out on the multitudes and, and, and he said, the harvest is certainly great, but he said, the laborers are what? Yes, the laborers are few. I'm going to ask you tonight, where do you fit in the workforce? Where do you fit in the workforce? Are you serving our Lord? Now, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be straightforward with you. I'd, I'd rather preach on heaven. I had. Uh, I would rather preach on the second coming. I'd love to have us running the aisles tonight and somebody meeting me with oxygen and Gatorade. Yeah, that's what I would enjoy. But I believe that this morning and this evening we are exactly where we need to be. We need to challenge ourselves. These are days of great opportunity. And you might say, well, you know, uh, I'm retired. Well, so am I. I can't tell the difference between retired and not retired, but, uh, but, but I'm there. Uh. I'm, I'm not old, but I'm older than I thought I'd ever get. The Lord has been good to give me strength and health. Uh, my wife just had knee surgery December the 1st, had her knee replaced. Uh, I, I told the pastor yesterday, I said, I've had three hip replacements. I'm probably the only three-legged preacher you know. <laughs> but the Lord has given us the help and strength that we can keep on going, and I want to do that. But even whether you are in grade school or you are in retirement or anything in between, there is a work to be done. And while it is day, we're going to have to get busy with the task that is before us of getting the gospel of Jesus Christ out. Now, if you look with me in Luke chapter number 14, and I'll begin reading with verse 25. Luke 14 and verse number 25. And there went great multitudes with him, And he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost? whether he have sufficient to finish it less haply after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it all that behold uh, behold it begin to mock him saying this man began to build and was not able to finish or what king going to make war against another uh, king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able uh, with 10000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20000 or else While the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an basage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all uh, that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. In the beginning of this chapter, the Lord Jesus is found going into the home of a chief Pharisee and having dinner with him. During the course of that dinner, he sees a man that is afflicted with dropsy. And he asked those that were gathered there on the Sabbath day, by the way, he said, is it lawful to heal a man on the Sabbath day? And, of course, he got no reply from them. And, but he went ahead and he healed the man. And he said, which one of you would have an ox that maybe was in the ditch or in a pit, he says, and, and on the Sabbath day would leave him there? No, you would get him out. There are certain things that compel us to go beyond. And the Lord Jesus thought this was the case. And then he talks to them about uh, um, um, being invited to a a feast or a wedding. And he says, when you come into the house, he said, uh, don't take the chief place. Sit down in the lower place and wait to be invited to the chief place. I'd, I'd never go to the pulpit without an invitation. I why? Because I might get halfway up, and the pastor say, "It's not your turn. You go back and sit down now." Uh, and that would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? And so the Lord teaching His disciples, and He's teaching them of humility. Don't go in and assume that you're the brightest thing on the block. You it would be better to have to be invited to come up higher than than to go sit up higher and be told to go down lower. You say. And uh, then he talks about a fellow having uh, a feast and inviting others uh, to come in. And, and, and men begin to make excuse. And the fellow says, I can't come. He said, uh, I've bought land. Got to go see it. You bought it and now you got to go see it. But anyway, another said, I, I've bought oxen and I have to go try them. You bought oxen and you didn't even give them a try. And another fellow said, I took a wife. I'm not going to mess with that one. I'll just leave it right there. But he said, I took a wife. And, and so uh, finally the fellow says, well, we'll go out and invite anybody. I don't care who they are. Just invite them to come in. And they didn't. They said, we still have room. He said, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. So, and when he finished his teachings, He went out of the house of the chief Pharisee and the Bible says in verse 25, multitudes followed him. And why not? I mean to hear the master teach. Uh, Aren't there other lessons? How far will I have to follow you to hear the next one? Sure. Folks would want to. But these are not small numbers of people. There are multitudes that are following him. And that is when he turns back to these multitudes. And he, and he says to them, "Oh, If any man come after me and hate not his father and his mother. Now you know very well from other teachings in the scripture that the Lord does not want you to hate your mother and hate your father. He is speaking of priorities. And he's saying in the list of your relationships, I want to be at the top. Oh, Jerry Falwell, he must have given out a gajillion, whatever that is, of those little lapel pins that said Jesus first. you remember those? Yes. Some of us that are older, we certainly do. He just sewed the country down in those Jesus first pins. And during that era, during that time, a lot of preaching was, is Christ sitting on the throne room of your heart? And we would hear that over and over and over again. And the idea was, where is Jesus Christ in your list of priorities? And so he is simply saying, I do want you to love your mom, and I do want you to love your dad and your sisters and your brothers and, and others. I do want you to love them, but, but I want you to love me first. And then he goes on to say, not only, uh, not only do I want you to hate father and mother and all these other relationships, but he said, hate yourself. Now, the Lord doesn't want you to hate yourself, but he wants to be a greater priority than we are to ourselves. I fear that too many of us live simply for ourselves. We're so afraid that if we don't get it, nobody's going to let us have it. Well, most of what we want to get, we don't need to begin with. We fight and we clamor to get position and power, prestige and possessions, when most of them we're like our grandchildren bless their hearts what they get as gifts i could not afford after i was married and i mean we're talking about just little kids and they play with them just a little while and then that's thrown to the side and they're on to something else and on to something else well that's childish, and among children that is normal. But should it be among adults? Adults that can that can think and can can realize it doesn't matter what kind of car I buy, it's gonna wear out. Yeah. Doesn't matter what kind of house I buy, it's gonna to have to be repaired. And you see, these things aren't intended to last forever. As a matter of fact, There's going to come a day they're all torched, they're all gone. Our value should be laid on something more permanent, and serving Jesus Christ is the most permanent thing that we can be involved in. Yeah, I love church. I've spent over the last 50 years. I've spent most of my time in church. I love this crowd. This is my crowd. I'm most comfortable in settings just like this one. Yes. Are you? Sure you are. There's things going on all around the world right now that you could be involved in, but you chose to be in church. You chose to serve the Lord. But I want to do more than just go to church. As wonderful as it is, and I hate to, hate to use the term just go to church because it is a very important thing, and we've come to know that in the last two years, haven't we? Yeah. So I tell you what, I'm just scared to go to church. Well, why aren't you scared to go to Walmart? I saw a picture the other day of a fellow with a mask on in Walmart, and underneath it said, we're not sure if he's wearing the mask because of COVID or because he's at Walmart. get that after a while. I want to do something beyond going to church. When I was in high school, I played football. I never saw the sense of practicing all week and sit on the bench Friday night. No. If I wasn't good enough to play, I'd be mean enough to play. And that's what my coach said. He said, Danny's not that great a player, but he sure is mean. And he would throw me out there and point me in the direction he wanted me to go in. And and I would do it. Why? I don't want to warm a bench. I don't want to say we're supporting X number of missionaries unless I'm actually doing it. I want to shoulder my part of the load. I want to serve the Lord. And so the Lord said, I know there's multitudes of you coming after me, but he knew their heart. And he said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to hate every other relationship in life by comparison. I insist on being first in your life. You remember when our Lord first met some of his disciples, uh, they, were, they were fishing. And uh, well, actually, they had just finished fishing and they were standing on the seashore cleaning their nets. And the Lord was down by the seashore and he was teaching people. And I'm I'm guessing that the crowd grew as he taught. And as the crowd would grow so he could project his voice, uh, he would back away from them. And as they would encroach on him, he would back away from them, finds himself down near the sea now. And he looks over and he sees these guys cleaning their net and he speaks to one, Simon Peter. Nothing is chance with our Lord, obviously. And uh, he says to Simon Peter, he said, "Uh, could I borrow your boat? He said, I won't need it till tonight. Sure, you you can borrow it. He said, well, actually, I need you to help me. And and I'm I'm just wondering, did he see that Simon Peter was almost finished and would be leaving? And he said, no, I don't want you to get away. I've got something I want you to hear. Anyway, he got him to come and hold the boat, and then he used the boat as a pulpit, and uh, he could teach to the people on the seashore. When he finished he said to uh, Peter, he said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drop. He said, sir, we fished all night. And we've caught nothing. No fisherman wants to say that. Because you work hard whether you catch something or you don't. And so no doubt they're tired and they're weary. They're just thinking, I want to go home and get some rest because i got to go back fishing tonight. So unsuccessful last night. And he said, sir, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Just one. But he launched out, got in deeper water, put his net over, and he caught more fish than he could handle. So he beckons to his partner, said, bring your boat. And so they filled both boats down until they were about to sink. And, the, and, and Simon Peter falls down at the knees of the Lord Jesus. That might be as low as he could get. The Lord might have been standing knee deep in fish. But he fell to his knees, and and he was amazed. And and the Lord said, Simon Peter, you haven't seen anything yet. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And he did. Hey, listen, I know most of the young folks are gone, but listen. These men left everything they had and followed Jesus on probably the best fishing day they'd ever had. Not when they had tried everything else and failed. Not when they had spent everything they had on their dreams and had nowhere else to go, but on the best fishing day they had ever had, they forsook it all and followed the Lord Jesus. You will never hold anything more valuable than following Jesus Christ. And so, of course, they do follow him. Well, that same story is going to return. After the Lord Jesus was crucified and he got up out of the grave, Peter said, I go fishing. And the others said, we are going with you. And they did. They went fishing. Lord Jesus got up out of the grave. He comes down by the seashore. He sees them out there fishing, and he cries out, children, have you any meat? In other words, have you caught anything? About the last thing on earth you want to ask a fisherman who's fished all night and caught nothing is how many do you have? Can you imagine the way Simon Peter actually answered him? I imagine it was as rough as a fisherman could answer. They had caught nothing, but uh, he said, uh, "Let your net out on the right side of the boat." And but they put their net out on the right side of the boat, and and I think it was 153 or 163, I believe, fish that that they caught. And and John said, "Peter, I only know of one that can do that." Huh? And Peter, recognizing it was the Lord, girded himself about and dove into the water, went to the shore. And uh, <clears throat> now the others are coming, and they're bringing the fish with them, and, and the Lord has already built a fire and has some fish cooking. How do you suppose he caught his fish? Uh, maybe he stood down by the seashore and said, I need a couple of fish. Maybe a 1, 1,500 jumped out on the land. No, I only need a couple. The rest of you can go back now. Uh, now, he could have got enough fish to feed all of them, couldn't he? Well, why should he do for them what they can do for themselves? Yeah, and so he said, "Bring your fish down, add them to mine, and uh, we'll have a good breakfast." Amen. Well, I love fish for breakfast. Yeah, my dad used to get up and walk down the canal uh, toward the Gulf and gig flounder in the early mornings. Come back, he'd fry those flounder up. He'd make a, a pan of cathead biscuits and a, a a big pot of grits. That's preaching. He didn't have to pry you out of bed. I don't tell you, say, ate fish for breakfast. Jesus did. He's on the seashore right now, John 21, <clears throat> and he's eating fish. And so they ate their fish, and and what's going to happen to you? If you have fished all night and you're worn out, and then you fill your belly with nice, fresh fish, what's going to happen? You're gone. You're going to go to sleep. Well, they all did, except the Lord Jesus and Peter. And and they got up and started walking down the beach and talking. And the Lord Jesus said to Simon Peter, Do you love me more than these? More than these what? Do you love me more than these fish? Do you love me more than these other disciples? Do you love these disciples more than you love me? Feed my sheep. How much do we love the Lord? We can sing, oh, how I love Jesus. But does that love for him have anything to do with influencing our lives day in and day out? It should. He said, if you're going to follow me, I want to be the priority. Then he says to them in verse 27, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross. As I said this morning, You do not, nor do I, pay anything to get saved. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. There is nothing we have to do to gain salvation apart from placing faith and confidence in the price Jesus Christ has already paid. My sin debt has already been paid. As a matter of fact, for everyone ever born of woman, their sin debt is already paid. It is ours to accept the gift that has already been offered to us, eternal life in Jesus Christ. But if we do get saved, and people tell you that, hey, if you get saved, all your troubles are over, don't you believe a word of it. Your war has just begun. There are three enemies that you're going to face, the world, the flesh, and the devil and they're going to come against you with every force that they have. And that few moments that you spend rejoicing in the fact that you realize your sin, realize your sins have been forgiven, that's going to dissipate when the battle rages. The war comes, and it's going to come. Now it's time to dig in with your heels and say, by the grace of God, I will not be moved. I will not be moved. No, Steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of our Lord. No, we don't work to get saved. We work because we are saved. Take up your cross and follow me. The cross was not a pretty thing. No. I suppose it was the most horrible way to die in the days of the Romans embarrassing way to die in agony before a crowd that was watching you. And it isn't always pleasant to bear the cross in this world either. And in these days, I know just to be recognized as a Christian, you know there's going to be sneers and laughter. Still, we should boldly Witness the fact that Jesus Christ has saved our souls. Oh yeah. Have you ever been anywhere in the world quieter than an elevator? Isn't it a wonderful place to give out a gospel track? Where are they going to go? <laughs> huh? We need not be embarrassed by the fact that we are Christian, that we were followers of Jesus Christ. They say, oh, you just have to have a crutch. And I got the best one. His name is Jesus Christ. And I can lean on him heavily in this sin-cursed world that I live in. And so can you. So he said, I want you to set your priorities right. I want you to put me first. Then he said, I want you to bear your cross. I want you to realize that building a tower costs. If you're going to start, be sure you're going to finish. I can't stand not to finish. Can you? No. <clears throat> My wife, this has been oh, 200 years ago or so. She uh, she wanted to to do something with her hands. She just Wanted like a, a hobby. And so she said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some dresses. And she got her material. She got her pattern. And this was something that she was just going to enjoy doing. Two or three o'clock in the morning, she was still up. She could not stand to go to bed and not finish. Some of us are just wired that way, aren't we? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we were that way about the work of our Lord? I just want to finish. As a matter of fact, Paul said, I not only want to finish, he said, I want to finish with joy. Think about what he went through. Maybe we'll get to talk about uh, that more uh, this week. But think of all that Paul went through to serve the Lord. The beatings, death, the imprisonments, the hatred. The vitriol that was poured out everywhere he went. And yet he found great joy in serving the Lord. And he said, when I cross the finish line, I don't want it to be in a state of depression. I want it to be with joy in my heart. We want to be enjoying what we're doing. Yeah. So uh, when are you going to take time just to enjoy life? I've been enjoying the last 50 years. I'm telling you, this is fun. what I'm doing right now is fun. Sure. You say you must just just hate it just week after week after week. Oh no, I'm telling you, we were we were cooped up because of uh, mom's surgery, and uh, couldn't go anywhere. It was cold. I'm telling you, it was cold when we started getting the trailer ready to move again, and and we were almost giddy when we were getting out on the road. Oh yeah. I mean, the truck has already sent several text messages. Did someone die? Why aren't we going somewhere, you know? No, love it. If we know we are in the will of God and doing his bidding, it ought to be the greatest joy in our lives. He said, I want you to set your priorities right. I want you to consider your cross. And then finally he says, Consider what you have in verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. You remember the rich fellow that came to the Lord, said, what am I going to have to to do to get saved? He said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And the guy went away brokenhearted because he wasn't willing to do that. Would the Lord have required that? I doubt it. He never has of anyone else. But he did want him to be willing to. He he wanted salvation to be so important to that guy that he was willing to give up anything else in life. And I believe the Lord wants us as believers to be willing to give up anything we have in this life to do his bidding and to do his will. What is it so precious to you that it keeps you from doing God's work? What is it? And the best thing that you could do, if you can identify it, the best thing you can do is either surrender that thing to the Lord or get rid of it. It's not that important. Nothing is more important than the Lord Jesus and serving Him at His bidding. Someone has said it will cost to serve Christ, but it will cost far more not to serve Him. For those of us that are saved by God's grace, we're headed to the Bema. I've been to camp meetings with Jeff where I'm telling you, we'd flang her down. Shout, sing. Guys would run, hang from the rafters. I mean, get so absolutely excited. And not strike a lick at doing anything for the Lord. I want us to be excited. I want us to be thrilled with the fact that we can serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But not at the expense of doing nothing for his cause. Will there be anybody in heaven because of you? Must I empty-handed go, is the song. I pray we will not. I pray with this great salvation that we revel in and thank the Lord so much for, I pray along with that, we in return would say, Lord, I want to reciprocate now. I want to do something for you. It might be something here in the church. It might be something that you would do outside of the church, but do something to serve the Lord and to try to bring others to Jesus Christ. I can remember the first fellow I ever led to the Lord. We'd been going out, I mentioned this morning we'd go out on Sunday afternoon, soul winning. And I was out that afternoon and uh, happened to be in a trailer park, and I found this guy, and I had witnessed to so many people, and, and I'd say, would you trust Christ today and be saved? And they'd say, no, 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 not today, no. And I'd presented the gospel to this fellow, and I said, Sir, would you like today to trust Jesus Christ and be saved? And he said, Yes. And I didn't know what to do. Nobody had ever told me that before. It just it just so shocked me. We prayed together, and he trusted Christ as his Savior. And I think of others. I don't remember them all. One just came to me recently in a meeting. I think it was in South Carolina just a couple of weeks ago, and said that many years before he had trusted Christ and gotten saved. And I don't remember them all, but those I do remember, I rejoice in. I don't know if there's a greater thrill this side of heaven than having someone call on Jesus Christ and get saved. It changes the life forever. Forever. There is a cost to serving the Lord. Are you willing to pay it? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and love to us that brings us the most valuable thing in this world, and that is salvation in your name. Lord, help us, I pray, to love it so dearly that we would want others to experience it as well. I know, Lord, there are those scoffers in the world today, and they come to us in great numbers. But at the same time, there's multitudes out there tonight that are praying for someone to come their way just like us. Someone that has an answer for the deep, dark hole that they're in. Someone that can bring them the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. Help us to be that someone. Help us to reach out. And Lord, help us to realize tonight that serving you will cost us something. It will cost in our list of priorities. It will cost in our cross-bearing. It will cost in our willingness to give up anything that would hinder us from serving you. Lord, help us to be willing to do it. If there's someone here tonight that needs to be saved by your grace, I pray that you would compel them by the power of your spirit to trust you and leave this place tonight with their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And for all that you do, I'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239 947 One two eight five. Thank you and God bless.